0: All right, we're going to do it the scan away. I'm going to suck your brain dry.
1: <laughs> and yes, we have returned from the Stygian depths from the Marvel Universe. We emerge to celebrate the passing of a legend. The man, the myth known as Stanley, who passed away at age 95 uh, today on November 12th. We are uh, I'm Adario Dario Strange. This is the Mars magazine podcast. I'm in New York and I'm talking this episode to John Threat in Los Angeles, smoky burning down Los Angeles. How are you doing out there? I'm good, man. How are you? You are well. You sound very chipper. You must have had your CBD or something today. What's what's going on over there? You usually <laughs> yes. sound dark and uh, mysterious. Now you're all chipper. I guess the sun the sunlight's doing uh doing good stuff. Yes. Are you anywhere near the fires?
0: No, I'm quite east of the fires. Um, it definitely has uh created a um haze over the entire city, but I'm I'm well far and there's a lot of concrete between me and uh and the fire. Although I did drive over to check out the, uh, perimeter of it.
1: Yeah. I got friends in, um, in San Francisco who say they can smell the smoke all the way up there. Is that, is that like an exaggeration? Do you think or are you?
0: No, no. Everyone I know up there can smell it. Um, you can, it's definitely, you can't smell it over here that much. Um, maybe dogs can and cats, but, uh, I can't smell it over here, but definitely, um, if you drive toward it, or go north, you, it's definitely over, uh, it's that you could definitely smell it. Um, and who knows? I mean, those particles could be anything. It could be wood, it could be metal, it could be poison, the So like, yeah, it's a serious, serious thing.
1: So I know it got, it got all the way over to Malibu, but it's, but I, I feel like I've heard people being evacuated from Santa Monica too, which is really close to, central la i mean are you hearing people get evacuated from santa monica
0: i have not heard that but what it's another town calabasas that got mandatory right. evac which sits close to um malibu uh and also this confusing that there's like multiple fires because there's a fire in the north which is probably what san francisco is smelling and there's a fire in southern la which is the malibu fire um which they call the Woolsey fire and that one um extends um is raging through malibu and it's not contained yet and may get may flare back up so um but the closest counties to it is uh pacific palisades and calabasas but it seems to be moving in that direction um and at that point that would be like kind of like west west los angeles which um is still kind of far from the city but definitely if it went crazy crazy santa monica would be If it burned through Pacific Palisades, Brentwood would be next, which is also an incredibly rich neighborhood. And then, then would come Beverly Hills, and then um, adjacent to that, in the other direction, is Santa Monica,
1: Calabasas, also known as the headquarters of the Kim Kardashian, Kanye West empire. They, uh, oh, yeah, I just read a story saying they um, hired like a private firefighting team to save their, I think it's $20 million home and all the neighbors are happy and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I've only been to Calabasas once a hundred years ago, back in my uh, music industry days, I got to visit the the home of uh, Dr. Dre and not far from Dr. Dre's home, there was uh, like um, Tupac had rented like an apartment. And so I got to, like, see what it's like out there. It's, like, really, like, suburban-y and a bunch of, like, I guess, maybe not McMansions, but I wasn't really impressed, but, you know, mansions that kind of just, you know, look like they were thrown up. But I guess it's nice out there. A lot of, like, uh, rich people seem to love living out there. Do you get out there? Do you know, like,
0: what the vibe is out there? No, nope. There's, like, no reason for me to ever go to Calabasas, Malibu, and, um, uh, uh, yeah, I went out to Calabasas like once to get like a a, a specific kind of car repair. But other than that, like I so, got no part, no truck with that boring part of town.
1: So now I, I mean, I'm not going to stay on this fire thing too much longer, but I'm just curious, like every this seems to happen every year There's like a period, like apparently October is like when most of at least that's what the news says, like that's when most of these wildfires start. And the thing I'm wondering is, like, so you got Hollywood Hills. Like, what is to stop this from – like, how come this hasn't ever happened to Hollywood Hills? Do people worry about Hollywood Hills, like, getting its own kind of thing like this?
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, the whole city is prone to it. It's just that I think once you start getting around here, um, once you start getting to the center of the city, there's a a lot more uh, – concrete around. So it's not like naturally able to whip up as much vegetation. Um There's definitely vegetation throughout the city, but like, it's just not huge tracks of it to really get that firestorm going. So you don't think that, you know, that can, that can set any kind of building on fire.
1: So, so you don't see like a future where just LA proper, like central LA is like engulfed in wildfire flame. You don't see that happening.
0: I don't directly see that but i mean it could it could happen definitely there's no question i mean it could whip out you know anything's possible buildings if things get hot enough anything can burn
1: i mean you're like uh i think you you told me you, you you like to pay attention to like apocalypse scenarios are you seeing any interesting yes. kind of uh i don't know signs of like what might happen if the big one comes down like like are you seeing any like interesting sights that you wouldn't otherwise see around town?
0: Uh, Well, I mean, definitely everyone's talking about preparing. So obviously preparations, and I think in general, like it definitely um, has woken up some people to climate change a little bit. So that's good. Um, I do think, uh, but I do think most people just think of it as just a, you know, a bad, a bad day of, of fire. But definitely I think, um, um, everyone's worried about it because nobody's seen it. And, of course, the main thing is, is that it's not over. So, really, all feelings could change, including, like I said, the the idea that it couldn't come into the city could be tested or even at least into part of the city because even if it got to Santa Monica, that would be like a whole new – that would definitely be something totally new and not seen before.
1: By the way, how come uh, Elon Musk, he weighs in on everything, traffic, space – like literally like weed he, like he has nothing to say about the wildfires no solutions no brilliant uh invention for the wildfires I guess he's just going to live out there right I mean you would think he'd have right. something for that
0: Right like a special feature on the Teslas he has promoted that um the Teslas on bio bioweapon defense mode
1: By the way just if if anyone's wondering why I'm bringing it up is is he's based in LA that's where he's doing his first uh, boring company tunnel uh, it's not the Hyperloop; it's something different, but it's kind of like you know adjacent concept to kind of like avoid traffic, and like his base is LA, so I'm just it just seems odd that he wouldn't like this like this wildfire thing just continues to plague LA. It's odd that he wouldn't kind of try to come up with something for that. So
0: right, well, he has he has uh, sold the Tesla on it, and I think that'll probably drive some additional purchases since it now it seems as though it holds out um any poisonous smoke, and if there's Little, very little oxygen in the air. Evidently, it, the the car is sealed enough to like keep recirculating its own air. So wait, wait, make so it is this is is that real? Are you are you serious? Yeah, no. There's a a bio defense mode that seals the car a bit what? from <laughs> external. That's amazing. External bad hair air, and he is promoting that feature. Oh, as okay. some drivers did say, so they felt it helped them because it, you know.
1: That's amazing. Okay,
0: Kept it out. So this is actually a win for Elon Musk. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's
1: something. That's something. All right. So moving on. So this episode, we're going to talk about all things Marvel. Uh, Not much tech, but we're going to start with uh, Marvel Powers United, which is a new title uh, on the Oculus Rift that came out. um, I guess it's been about two and a half months now. We're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about a very late but kind of like i guess i don't know circle back on avengers infinity war which in my view is kind of and we'll get into this in depth but in my view is kind of like the culmination of everything that marvel has been leading up to for its entire history and then we're going to talk about the man himself stan lee who passed away at 95 today uh so first of all just i know no i know you're not a big uh you know VR guy John, so no worries. You, you know this is, this is just this is my thing. You know some of the people who are Thank interested, you. uh, may want to hear about this. I, as a child, I was a huge fan of like a bunch of these different characters. Like my, I think my first character that I got into was Daredevil, and after that, I was a big Fantastic Four person. And later I thought I was milk Wolverine, you know, nothing could hurt me. I would re- regenerate myself. You know, if I got into a jam, I, you know, maybe I could access my berserker rage mode and uh get myself out of the jam. Of course, you know, none of that is true. But, you know, we all have these like kind of like thoughts inside of our heads when we we're kids and we kind of use them to kind of like inspire us sometimes. As a child, I never thought I would see really well done live action versions of these comic books. So that's something we'll get into in a second. What I definitely, definitely never thought I would experience is embodying, like actually becoming the superheroes. And that's what Marvel Powers United, actually the proper name is Marvel Powers United VR. That's what this app does. It takes you into the world of Marvel. And you actually get to become a number of different Marvel superheroes. Let's see. I'm going to go down the list here. Uh, You get to become Black Panther, Rocket Raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy, Deadpool, uh, Captain Marvel. They have her tricked out as kind of like the new version with like the short haircut, kind of like matching in line with the film, the 2019 film coming up. Uh, They've got you can become the Hulk. Black Bolt. Black Bolt from the Inhumans. That's the Inhumans, right? Black Bolt, if memory serves. I think Black of Bolt course. Are, yeah, the Inhumans. Uh, Thor. Uh, Hawkeye, the arrow-slinging character no one cares about. Uh, Black Widow, <laughs> the spy with karate skills. Uh, Star-Lord, again, from Guardians of the Galaxy. Gamora from Guardians. Uh, Captain America. Doctor Strange. Uh, Spider-Man. Uh, Wolverine. Storm from the X-Men. And Iceman from the X-Men and let's see actually so let me go down the villains too so you can become i don't know who the hell this is how long i haven't been in the mix i don't know do you have you ever heard of ronin the accuser does that ring a bell it (laughs) does really okay i've never heard of that um i've heard of ronin farrow i've never heard of ronin the accuser uh the villains are loki these aren't the people you can become these are the people you fight against uh loki venom Uh, Ultron from Age of Ultron, Magneto, uh, Dormammu, you know, from the Doctor Strange film, uh, uh, Madame Hydra, uh, Scientist Supreme, which doesn't really ring a bell. uh, Don't know that person. And of course, Thanos, the man, Thanos. So I've only played as a couple of characters so far. I've played as Captain America and Wolverine, which are two kind of tough characters to play because in vr some of the best like unless you have like a giant space you really don't want to kind of like swing your arms wildly and punch a lot that's like uh there's like a really popular vr title called um super hot and there are if you just go on the internet go on youtube and search you know on twitter or facebook youtube you'll see a bunch of like photos of people who have put holes in their walls or like cut up their hands or broken their controllers because the game is so immersive and so fun, you lose yourself and you just start smashing things and you run into the real world. So that actually happened to me playing Wolverine. You actually get, it's amazing. Dude, I know you're not a VR guy, but I swear if you did this, it might change your mind. The controllers act, the way you can use Oculus touch controllers, You can they basically function like hands and fingers. And in this game, you actually do the same motion that Wolverine does in the comic books. So when you want to, you know, extract your claws, you just squeeze your fists and they come out and they come out with that satisfying sneak, you know, that adamantium sneak that comes, and then you just squeeze your hands again and the claws come back out and your face is embedded in the body of Wolverine. Like, so you, if you look down, like if you literally like just you know, point your face down, you see his chest and his hairy arms and everything. It's amazing. Same thing with Captain America. He has a shield on his back and you reach behind yourself. Like in real life, you're reaching, your arm is reaching over your shoulder and you're pulling out your, uh, your shield and you're slinging the shield. It's pretty good. I'm pretty excited to try like some of the other people, like, uh, I don't know, Thor, I want to see how the hammer works. Uh, Rocket Raccoon might be fun. Doctor Strange, of course, is going to be fun. Uh, Iceman is going to be great. Spider-Man, I get a feeling that might be kind of unwieldy. But I think the thing that stood out for me with this is like, I've seen attempts to do superhero VR games before. I've seen like a Spider-Man kind of short play title. I know DC came out with something around the... Um, Oh God! What am I? I'm not the super friends. (laughs) Justice League, (laughs) around the um the the film that just came out, um the last film that had all four of them. It was um Cyborg, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Dawn of Justice. Was that Dawn? No, that wasn't done. What was that? Do you remember
0: what that was? I don't know that one. No, I don't know that one.
1: We're not DC heads, listeners. We're just we're, we're Marvel guys. Um, I did see the film, but whatever that film was, they came out with a VR title to match it. And I played it, and it was horrendous. And I have to be honest, that kind of set my expectation for what Marvel Powers United might be like. After playing the DC game, I mean, it was just, I I had to force myself to keep playing it just to, like, experience what was going on. Completely different with um, Powers United. It is, it's great. It's, I mean, I had to actually force myself to stop playing it. Um, you play as a team. So just like in the Marvel comics, you know, the best uh, comics or some of the best uh, issues have like kind of teamwork oriented situations where, you know, Iceman forms a bridge and Wolverine maybe slides up the bridge. And, you know, he like that allows him to like get up to a sentinel and just like collaborative play. That's kind of like what's going on in Marvel's powers, Marvel powers united. I don't know if all of the characters are completely practical for VR, but the ones I played were pretty good. I, I have a feeling like characters like Iceman and Doctor Strange will probably be the best just because they don't require you to be as physical. The two characters I played are really physical and actually started sweating and getting out of breath. And it's pretty fun. The environments are rendered are pretty amazing, too. Like when you go to um, did you get to see uh, Doctor Strange, like the uh, the live action most recent one. Yes. So remember when they go to the I'm forgetting the name of the dimension, but, you know, kind of like where he faces off with Dormammu. Um, they have that they have that rendered in like thats nice. It's beautiful. It's not like this kind of flat, you know, uninteresting. Oh, we'll do a couple of dashes of color just to give you a sense of what it's supposed. to No, it really looks like you're in that world. So that was really cool. Um, also, they have uh, Lockjaw from the Inhuman, so he's the you know Lockjaw, the uh, the bulldog. Do you Teleporter, yeah. So he teleports, yeah, he teleports. you. Yeah, he teleports you to the different environments. It's, I mean, this is like a a well done in depth game. There's like a training room where you like familiarize yourself with the powers of your particular character. You can change your hero at any time. So this is not like I've played a lot of VR games where particularly when the game is like a license game where they're like, okay, here's like some famous movie or some famous character, and we're just gonna turn it into VR really quickly. Generally, when they do that, it's not that well done, and most of the benefit is, oh, you get the thrill of seeing something you're a fan of turned into VR and you briefly experience it, and it's kinda cool for a little bit, and and then you're done. This was actually developed like a real game. Like this is, like if you've never picked up a comic book, uh, if you've never even gone to any of the superhero movies, which is unlikely, but if, even if you've never been to any of the movies, this is a pretty enjoyable game um, and it's incredibly well developed. You know, if you don't know how like if, you, if you're super familiar with Wolverine's like classic moves, like a lot of the still frames that you've seen from the comic books. A right. lot of that stuff is familiar, but if you're not familiar with that stuff, there's, like, a training room that actually shows you, like, how to do these moves. And, like, and it's just – it's so great to just do a lot of these iconic Wolverine moves, like, with your actual body. Like, you're not, like, just pressing A-A-X-Y or something like that. No, you're actually using your body to – you know that uh, – my favorite one is, you know, um, when Wolverine has both of his arms extended and bent – but like kind of slightly behind him with his claws extended mm-hmm. like that's yeah. you're, like you're doing that. So there's one, Oh, there's one part where like, um, I'm I'm on top of some roof and we have to get to the next mission. And so captain Marvel is like, take my hand so we can fly up to the airship. And like, she waits, like I have to take her hand. So I take her hand and then we start flying and I'm enveloped in her kind of like this, like flame aura and I'm like looking down and I'm looking all around and I can see as we're flying up. It, it's it's crazy, dude. So if you have the Oculus Rift, uh, I highly recommend this. It is I would say this is definitely like if you're not a Marvel fan, it's something you could play, something you could enjoy. If you're a Marvel fan, you have to play this. Even if you don't have your own system, find someone with a system and play this. This is amazing. I can't wait till I play Thor because I know there's going to be some sort of like, you know, hit the ground and like watch lightning emerge or something like that. Uh, Black Bolt should be pretty cool because if memory serves, he's the one. He never speaks, but when he speaks, his uh, he like just utters like a single sound from his mouth and like things like shatter. Do you remember that? that yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. So looking forward to playing him. Uh, Some of the more conventional characters like Star-Lord, Rocket Raccoon, eh, you know, those are cool. I don't know what Black Panther is going to be. Like, I could just see that's just going to be a bunch of, I don't know, flipping, jumping. Deadpool, that's probably going to be the coolest one. Uh, Anyway, so that's Marvel Powers United on the Oculus Rift. Um, Let's see. It's out now. I think it's like 40 bucks. Well worth the download. So now with that, let's get to Marvel's, I would say, this is probably, in my view, the best film Marvel has ever produced as a live action work, Avengers Infinity War.
0: There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more So when they needed us,
1: we could fight the battles.
0: That they never could.
1: So desperately that you're right, yet to fail all the same. Dread it. Run from it. Destiny still arrives. And that's Avengers Infinity War. Came out this year, earlier this year, 2018. And as I said before, I think this is... Yeah, I've been following Marvel films you know, even before what we call the modern era of Marvel films, which, you know, contrary to what some think, I think it started with Blade uh, back in the, like, I guess that was 98. Even before 98, there were a couple of films and television series that came out that were Marvel oriented. I've been following them all. And as someone who grew up with the paper comic books, moved on to some of the series like the early, uh, like the Hulk, you know, with, um, you know, the old, you know, that series, even like the, the old Spider-Man. Do you remember the live action Spider-Man that they, they had on TV? Yes. I remember that.
0: The, the movie?
1: No, no, no. There was a live action television series for Spider-Man. You never saw this. I don't know if I know that. I know the, the movie. No, no, no. There was a series. And when he would shoot his webs, they actually had like rope. Like they would throw rope oh, wow. out. Yeah, it was. And, and the guy, here's the interesting part. Like, in my view, compared to the drawings of all Peter Parkers I've ever seen, this guy actually looks the most like I've always imagined Peter Parker, uh, you know, without his mask. Um, and the, the guy they had doing the acrobatics, perfect, like did all the iconic, you know, poses and stances. Um, so I, I mean, I've been, I'm a hardcore Marvel Marvel person, at least from back in the day. I'm not as up on the current stuff. I'm not, you know, honestly, I've kind of moved on more so to graphic novels. Like my favorite, anyone who's like a friend of mine knows my favorite is saga right now. Hardcore saga fan. I'm more into graphic novels now, I've always been into graphic novels, but that's mostly what I deal with in terms of printed comic fare. But when I look back, at, you know, on to my childhood, on up to now, TV, you know, one offs, I think, you know, sitting there watching Avengers Infinity War, I, I felt like this is I, I've never seen anything like this. This is the best, you know. When Thor Ragnarok came out, I felt like that was kind of like the pinnacle of a great Marvel film in that it got Marvel humor right, better than other any other film had in the past. But what Infinity War did was it got the humor right, it got the danger right, it got the, hey, we're jumping from world to world, scenario to scenario, set piece to set piece right. Uh, no one was kind of sidelined. Everyone had everyone's character had been developed properly. Uh, Thanos's motivation was authentic and real and, and, and felt meaningful. He was conflicted. I mean, I, 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 you know, and just visually, visually, it was just beautiful. Um, I just remember, there's a. I'm not even a big fan of Guardians of the Galaxy, even though I love the films. But the 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 part in Infinity War where we cut to um, Star Lord and his team, you know, riding through space to that music track, um, yeah, you know what I mean, like that. I just I thought this is. It doesn't get cooler than this. This is. This is this is this is the marvel if I could have had enough imagination to truly imagine all of these things coming to life this is about as cool and dangerous and funny and visually stunning as I could have imagined it um that's kind of my my broad take on it what what's uh what was your uh, take from infinity war
0: it's a testament to marvel ca- uh, comics itself because um the idea that, you know, they had the lease in theatrical to be able to develop all these individual character arcs. So that way, by the time this movie comes along, like you, everything is at stake because you know all these characters, you know their powers, you know their travails, like you care about them. Um, And that's a really hard thing to do with so many characters in one movie because definitely there are other examples of trying to put a shitload of characters together in one movie and it doesn't work but um in this case Marvel had the time to like build up each one of these characters with multiple movies um so if you weren't familiar with the lore but if you were already familiar with the comic books I feel like this movie did each one of them justice um including all the worlds and tied it all together um it's, it is the you know the most powerful um perhaps the most uh uh, it is the omega of comic book movies
1: and and let's just really quickly run down the list so uh included in the film are iron man thor hulk captain america black widow war machine uh, doctor strange uh, spider-man black panther gamora uh, loki vision scarlet witch falcon winter soldier uh, Wong, you know, uh, from Doctor Strange's world, uh, Mantis, Drax, Groot, Rocket Raccoon, of course, Thanos, Star-Lord, uh, just just, you know, Black, Black Panther. Panther, yeah Black Panther and Baku. Uh, it's just so, you know, Red Skull makes an appearance. Nick, Nick Fury. Oh, that's well, that's kind of that's I guess that's spo- spoiler alert for the entire just movie cutscenes you know post post uh post main plot cutscenes included yeah nick fury makes a a, an appearance it was just i mean visually let's just so have you seen ragnarok yes i don't know on a visual level i felt like i don't know for me it's between dr strange and thor ragnarok as two films that really in a very unique way show us the pages of marvel like old marvel meaning like 80s right. on back to the 70s old marvel truly coming to life in the best way but there was something about infinity war where it was like okay if ragnarok and dr strange were kind of like marvel or the studio getting those looks right uh infinity war was okay now that we've got the looks right we're that's not even the focus anymore that's just added you know that's just another added layer that we now know how to do and it's not even a big deal for us anymore enjoy you know i mean what would you like do you agree with that arc or like do you have a different take
0: i i think that all of them are like they it just got better because i think the uh, the early ones you know um i wasn't in love with a lot of them both the shot selection and even some of the introduction stories, it's really hard to do a good introduction story for such story characters that, you know, you have to give some to the people who've never seen these characters before and something for the people who've seen them, you know, who grew up with the characters. That's a hard place to go. Like, it's not like, you know, making, I don't know, like Predator where like no, like nobody knows these characters. So you can start your mythos from from zero. Um, you have to satisfy. Well, let's let's set a level here. Give me
1: what you think is the most overrated modern Marvel film, like the one that got so much praise, but you personally don't think was nef- necessarily worthy of that praise or that particularly well done.
0: Whoa, that's a good question. Um, well, for me, I mean, most of those would be probably the non-Marvel ones. Like, I'm not a fan of the X Men movies per se and i'm not oh, a fan right. of the wolverines
1: yeah that's so, not by a different studio that's fox and so that's like right big exactly reason why those kind of have like a different look and
0: aren't yep so know, all the fox ones because that includes uh all, all versions of uh fantastic four which also speaks to what i was saying about having multiple characters and trying to develop them that is a really hard thing to do and fantastic four in particular suffers deeply from that
1: but i mean is that to say that you think all of the marvel films like marvel proper films the ones not done by fox all of those just all get them right
0: no 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 i wasn't like a fan of like the early thor and they obviously changed his character a bit they injected more humor which is definitely like a um it's interesting because that is kind of a Marvel trademark but yet at the same time like thor used to not really be um on the humor side too much right um you know That's they had the characters thing. that took themselves too seriously like you know like I, I know that me and you both love uh namor right um who i Imperial wonder Rex. will I ever make an appearance <laughs> yeah <laughs> i wonder if he'll ever make an appearance I'm in- gonna tell you
1: why he has to make an appearance because aquaman and and i've said this to you off mic Aqu- i hereby predict that dc's aquaman will be a giant flop
0: well, I think it's um I think it's gonna be really good. I have to admit that I have to now change based on the trailer, um, which could be a mistake. But it looks like it has some amazing world building going on there, mm. and Atlantis is a re- a rich, deep history to like delve into. Um, that society kind of dreams about. So, um, I really, I-, I actually think it might be quite good.
1: I say thee nay. We must not talk <laughs> about DC anymore. We've digressed too much. Okay, let's just run down all of... I Say thee Nay, for those who don't know, is one of the famous Marvel... Marvel was really well known and, and loved for having all of these kind of like phrases that became icon, iconic phrases from their um, characters. One of them was, I Say thee Nay, and that would basically be uttered when some hero was engaged in like pitch battle and maybe almost losing. I think also Namor may have said it, a few other people. What well, do you remember any of the other phrases? Zounds with a Z? Zounds. 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 <laughs> uh, what else do we have here? Um Behold. That was one that would always come up. Like every so often. I would say throughout the year, like throughout any series, hmm. uh, you would you you almost like would come across at least three different books. Three different, you know, episodes in a comic book series where you open either the first or the last page, and there would be a giant, you know, behold, you know, the, you know, I mean, you know, they, the yeah.
0: world destructor. I mean, I think they even had a character that behold. Yeah, there was the beholder. <laughs> but there's also uh, Stanley's uh, more um, down to earth, Brooklyn style. Um, commentary like Nuff said he'd, he'd, that like became that was in all right. his comic books like right. at the right. end you know it'd be like like stay tuned dear well, that, readers okay, well,
1: yeah, I, let's, we'll get to back to uh, Stan Lee we're, we're gonna get into all that but I want to stay on the heroes
0: <laughs> right. and the villains well I mean obviously there's, there's Hulk smash
1: that, actually that's probably the most popular one when you think about it there are people who have never picked up a comic book in their entire life probably have either never seen any hulk tv series or maybe have just glimpsed one of the movies and everyone knows hulk smash the back to infinity war so so you agree that this is kind of like the the penultimate the, the ultimate expression visually narratively like you know soup to nuts this is kind of like the achievement this is it absolutely we keep kind of backsliding into this comparison yeah dc comparison thing it's kind of natural because it's like in order to understand the good you need to kind of have the bad to contrast it against and i hate to call dc the bad but i mean other than the dark knight series there's not a lot of good dc stuff to talk about
0: right and the dark knight actually is a good way to segue into stan lee because the difference major difference between um until that revisioning by frank miller The big difference between Marvel and DC was that Marvel's characters were complex, which is something that Stan Lee is definitely evidently the father of of sort of like the he opened the door for more complex characters like. Like, for instance, Iron Man turning into a drunk, but even before that, like their problems were just a little more complex, whereas DC characters were still stuck for many years being just like, I'm a hero with no personal problems. And look, oh, the most my, the most problem is, oh, look, Lois, I got on, I, 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 I just appeared out of nowhere. Like, that's right. just mad corny. And, you know the time period had changed it was no longer the 50s we were entering the 60s and 70s with um, massive social upheaval you know and real realities about war um where world war ii was all about heroes uh, vietnam it became very murky who was a hero um um you know people were getting uh real life heroes were getting uh shot in the streets you know uh, kennedy and Martin Luther King and other people slain, dead. It was a totally different time, um, and here comes Stan Lee, who changed comics forever by imprinting this. In a lot of ways, I mean, as a as a both an uh, artist and a writer, um, you know, he has probably had more profound effect on on several generations than any other writer in history.
1: So uh, I will go ahead and take your cue and segue into into Stan Lee. So Marvel today posted a great, you know, of course, there were other obituaries in the New York Times and the Hollywood Reporter. But Marvel posted its own kind of note uh, that it seems like they had this ready because it's really well done and, and nicely prepared. And, you know, he was pretty, I mean, 95. I mean, you know. Look, you know, all, any of us can hope to to reach 95. I mean, that's basically let's just round up. That's 100. I mean, the guy basically lived for a century. Yeah. Um, And I'll just read a part of what Marvel wrote or posted today. Uh, Stanley Martin Lieber, a.k.a. Stan Lee. Loved the written word from an early age and wanted to craft stories like those in his favorite books and films, which he consumed voraciously from a simple upbringing in the teeming landscape of Manhattan, Manhattan, New York, New York, money, Manhattan. Oh, that's me. Uh, young Stanley worked his way through a succession of jobs until he found himself an assistant. At a comic book publishing company called Timely Comics, in between refilling artists' inkwells, erasing pencil lines from comic pages, and fetching an untold number of lunches, Stanley expressed his his desire to write and create tales of his own. In May of in the May nineteen forty one issue of Captain America Comics number three, he got his wish. Readers would find a prose story in that issue titled Captain America Foils the Traitor's Revenge, sporting the byline of Stan Lee, and the star was born. As Stan's roles and tenure with Timely Comics grew and evolved, so did the company itself. With Stan at its helm, Timely Comics morphed into Atlas Comics and then into the name that would catapult it into legend and forever be synonymous with Stan Lee, Marvel Comics. As Marvel's editor-in-chief, Stan the Man Lee, made his voice the voice of the stories themselves, writing virtually every Marvel title and working with luminaries such as Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, Don Heck, Gene Cullen, John Romita. Stan began building a universe of interlocking continuity, one where fans felt as if they could turn a street corner and run into a superhero. That's absolutely true. I remember living in Manhattan, absolutely certain at one point I would run into some sort of Marvel character. Uh, either costumed or in his regular guise. Um, Continuing, a rich collection of characters grew out of his nonstop plotting sessions with his artists, including the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, Thor, Iron Man, the Hulk, the X-Men, and more. Today, it would be almost impossible to find a corner of the Marvel Universe that Stan didn't have a hand in. And it goes on, but that's just a part of what they wrote. You can access that at marvel.com. And slash remembering underscore Stan underscore Lee. I mean, that, that says it all. Right. I mean, as a, I mean, you're a New York kid, too. I mean, did you have that same feeling that you might actually run into some oh, of yeah. these characters?
0: Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it makes me wonder why, you know, not to jump into D.C. again, why, <laughs> you know, their main stories were set in Metropolis and. um uh, whatever the other thing is, Gotham, and, like, you know, the thing, like, I mean, it's not like they're, like, trademarked or something, but, like, there was a nice touch that, you know, Spider-Man or the X-Men or whatever could run into, like, the Statue of Liberty or the Fantastic Four and it's, you know, fight on the Brooklyn Bridge, you know, it gave it a nice grounding in reality, um, so it makes me wonder, <laughs> even i mean they had you know obviously daily bugle and the baxter building don't exist but like the other landmarks wait too. wait wait
1: i i that's th- i have to tell you i was a huge fantastic 4 fan and i thought for the life of me that the baxter building was real like i honestly 100 as a child i thought it was real i thought there was a reed, a reed richard somewhere it, somewhere in midtown i i just assumed that midtown manhattan was just too big And there were too many buildings for me to ever really find it. But I was fairly certain in the back. And I was, yeah, not as an adult or even as a teen. But as a child, I was fairly certain in the back of my mind that there was really a Baxter building. And Reed Richards was somewhere, you know, out there
0: in Midtown doing his thing. Right. And, I mean, all these locations. Like, the thing was from, like, Delancey Street. Yeah. It's kind of like Yancey Street. But he's kind of from that area, like – the Bowery, app, basically, yeah, and uh, this really grounded it. And it's interesting that um, DC never did that, you know, they and they, you know, they stuck to the mythology, but in some ways that made it like you know, fantasy world, right? That was really great,
1: yeah. I mean, every comic book, not every, but many of the comic uh series integrated Marvel in some way, and some of them would also take you to like a different country. Uh, or they would do this weird thing that this, and this was really confusing as a child. They would take real foreign places and just kind of change the name a little bit, but give it all kind of like the same characteristics of that foreign place. And so, because
0: I definitely thought Dr. Doom's home, te- home, right? country was, a was, real.
1: It lo- was it, what, was it, what was it? Oh God. Yeah. Let's take, let's take yeah, something. something like, it. I mean, because you already knew that so many of these heroes were based here in New York, you assumed that these other places they were talking about were real, like Wakanda. You know, people—it's really funny. Like in 2017, 2018, watching people walk around talking about Wakanda forever, Wakanda—they don't understand. Like if if you were like a hardcore Marvel head, yes, on some level in the back of your mind, you thought, "So right, there's Wakanda, right." There's some, there's, there, there, right? There must be some sort of, because cause everything's based in Manhattan and that's real. So there must be a Wakanda somewhere. So it, it's really, yeah. you know, it, it's funny. Like people don't understand, if, unless you were like a hardcore Marvel uh, head, like, you know, as a child. Well, I remember just Thor got me into mythology. I remember, you know, reading about Thor, reading about Asgard, reading about Odin and becoming curious. And when I found out, that this was actually, you know, Norse mythology. I was like, "Holy what? Seriously?" And I just started like investigating more, and of course, that just built into the back of my mind maybe on some of because when you start thinking, okay, wait a minute, you got Daredevils in somewhere in Chelsea Hell's Kitchen, you know, you got, right. you know, uh, whatever Spider Man and Queen somewhere. You know, all these <laughs> real places. Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange in, in Greenwich in, in, Village. So, Let me tell you something, man. In Greenwich Village, which made a lot of sense. <laughs> it made so, no, it made, it no, 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 it made absolute sense because Greenwich Village has long been known as kind of like, maybe not now so much, but it's long been known as kind of like a hippie haven for a lot of like the 60s people and people who were, you know, some people who were into the occult you know, into, you know, crystals and numerology. So there, there, you know, for a time, there were a number of shops in Greenwich Village that catered to that. And there's still a couple of like, uh, I guess they call them head shops or smoke shops that are still there. So it was a perfect place. And I remember even going to Greenwich Village one time because, you know, I'd lived my whole life never actually thinking, hey, let me just go over there. And I remember, like, I was, many, you know, this was like years ago, I was an adult, but... You know, I did kind of go look for the building, like trying to see if I could find that building with that iconic window, you know, with the Doctor Strange symbol. I mean, that's how realistic a lot of this stuff was. And then so you take all that, and then you start you you have some of the writers at Marvel using real mythology, like mythology from, you know, are are, you know, from the real world. Like, you know, stuff that is hundreds and hundreds of years old. Then you start really, you know, kind of wondering where you know what's real what's not you know is there an iron man you know is is there a hulk somewhere you know is uh you know is galactus coming like is galactus coming at some point <laughs> you know like will we have to get on our knees and beg you know will there, will the herald will galactus's herald save us you know that kind of thing and all of this like you know the wonder the questioning you know the the lack of certainty I enjoyed every bit of it. And a lot of that is tied to Stan Lee. Of course, he had a ton of help, you know, as indicated in that passage that I read from Marvel site. But he never lost that sense of wonder, that kind of uh, mischievous kind of, you know, what if. Actually, what if? Do you remember the what if series? Yeah, I absolutely do. Yeah, the what if series. Actually, so there's I'll tie this together. So there was a series in Marvel comic books called What If? And what they did was it was a fun exercise that they would use where they would just come up with a scenario that didn't fit in with, let's say, the normal narrative of one of their comic characters. And they would just take one element from one book, another one from another book or just one element from a book and then just come up with some weird scenario where they, and the the comic series would, was literally called What If? And then you would get like, the, you know, what if, I don't know, Hulk was, you know, uh, let's just pretend She-Hulk doesn't exist for a second. What if She-Hulk was a woman? They would do something like that, like like before she, you know, before she arrived, something yeah. like that. What
0: if a woman got the powers of the Hulk? Yes,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. That's how they would phrase it. What if a woman got the powers of the Hulk? Something like that. And it was just great. And throughout his life, Stan Lee embodied that spirit of what if, you know, what if, you know, this person fell into this accident and yeah. this and that happened, you know, with Peter Parker. I look
0: forward to the what if series. That was that was one of my favorites. And and
1: so one thing about the what if series, the the way I was going to tie it together, is that if you really got into it like I did, you found out that. It was basically this kind of, what you were seeing were these alternate universe scenarios, just like what could play out in these alternate universes. And presiding over this was The Watcher. And what we see in, you know, like Stan Lee had a bunch of cameos in these live action films. And there's one live action film, (laughs) I'm forgetting which one it was, but it was pretty recent where we see Stan Lee on a moon in a space suit and he's standing or he's sitting talking to three watchers because we later find out like if you really get into watcher lore you'll you find out that there's a race of watchers like for a long time i thought there was just one watcher but there's a race of watchers and they watch you know the events of the universe unfold and they tabulate everything and they collect all the things that have happened you know so there's some record and then there's one cutaway scene where Stanley is on a moon, and he's talking their ear off, trying to tell them one of his stories. And even the Watchers get tired of hearing him. And he's like, "Wait, wait, wait!" And they just start walking away. And Stanley's like, "Wait, I'm not done telling my story." You know, um, that's how much fun Stanley had. With, he never took himself too seriously. He was deadly serious about the work. He had huge respect for the work and what it meant to people, but he never took himself too seriously. And he was able to laugh at himself. Let's go back to when I remember seeing him for the first time. I find it interesting that you know, you're a kid, you're reading a comic book. You know, you're not to under- think about something for a second. As adults, you know, when we picked up magazines, which no longer exist, but I guess we can like talk about the website versions. When you pick up a, a paper magazine. I mean, magazines still exist, but they're not as popular. When You pick up a paper magazine or you go to a website and there's an editorial by the editor. As an adult, on some level, there's kind of like a sophistication to being the reader who reads the editor's note. You know, I'm so into this magazine or into the magazine's aesthetic or I'm so, you know, uh, whatever, detail oriented. I'm going to go ahead and read the editor's note because I'm going to get the extra level. I'm going to get the extra layer. You know, but I feel like on some level that's an adult exercise. So for that kind of dynamic to emerge in a comic book, to me, it's kind of fascinating to, to think. And this did happen where you have all these kids, you know, 9, 10, 12, 15, whatever, 8, reading these comic books. But then taking the time to read an editorial, which is what they were, John. These were editorials. These weren't like. Hey, guys, let's have fun, buy the toys, Marvel forever. No, 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 no. He was, you know, they were short, but they were editorials. And to think that all these children were, on some level, sophisticated enough to say, okay, I'm going to take time away from this magical, mystical universe to read the editorial. And I think what it did was it served to, it's basically the the most Marvel thing he could have done because Marvel was all about Yes, this is fantasy and and fiction, but it's realistic. And we're talking to the human spirit. We're not just giving you, like you said, Superman. Oh, he has superpowers. He can kill anybody. And his only problems are, you know, maybe I shouldn't kill this person. Or maybe I shouldn't hurt this person. No, you know, Marvel characters had deep inner conflict, drug addictions, you know, family problems, abuse when they were a child and then raised to become whatever hero they became. And maybe they're conflicted. Maybe they're not completely good. Maybe they're not completely bad because of their upbringing. This is the kind of stuff that Marvel dealt with. And while Stanley never got too heavy in his editorials, his editorials, you always felt like you were actually speaking like to the real person, even as a child. I mean, is this right. your, is that your experience?
0: Yeah, I love uh, Stanley um dialogue. Like I felt like it really. It, well first of all it was grounded in New York. so for me that really like played out for me like I love the like inflections of of like an older New York that doesn't really exist anymore right um, so that part really spoke to me for some reason York, probably with from an accent eating and- with an accent. exactly exactly and like watching older like abbott and costello style things or whatever (laughs) with the bowery boys and shit so it really spoke to me it really connected and stuff I i really felt like i was looking into a different world besides just the comic books i'm talking about stan lee speaking in his either editorials or in his own voice and stuff so um and and i have to admit like i probably still pull from that to this day like what do you mean like for example Oh, well, like, I mean, just like, uh, like I said, like a lot of his, um, uh, uh, well, definitely the stuff where he would pontificate a bit about like telling the story. Like, um, you know, like we open up to a blah, 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 blah. Like, it's just like, I don't know. I think he just had a, a, a interesting grand pr- prose that he doesn't really get enough credit for. Could we think of, cause I think there's a part where we don't elevate the comic book writing that high i mean i think it's gotten higher like definitely graphic novels sit on that but i feel like the early era of stan lee doesn't get enough credit is still looked at as kind of like like an older age comic book but really it set the stage for creating like grand worlds and stuff the verbiage that he used Hmm. and i really responded that to that really well
1: i remember there was one point when i was a kid reading stan lee editorials like at a certain point Here's a great thing about Marvel, Marvel, at least back in the day, I don't know about now, back in the day, it kind of groomed you to be more sophisticated and more thoughtful, at least in my view. Like it wasn't just like slapdash, you know, let's have fun with, you know, people in costumes. And so at a certain point, I began to become so thoughtful and and so interested in layers and story at a certain point, I remember looking at Stan Lee's editorials and thinking, is this a construct? Like, is Stan Lee real? Like, I, I actually questioned, you know, because I just knew how talented Stan um, uh, Marvel writers were. I questioned whether right. this was like a real dude or a construct. Did that ever cross your
0: mind? No. I, I w- Well, one thing I appreciated. No, no, that never came to my mind, but i one thing that I appreciated about Marvel Two, which once again, not to shit on d c but this they just didn't I don't think they've ever done this, was that Marvel would always spin out new test out these new characters right in a universe a lot faster than d c and a lot of times, not only would they spin out characters, but then scenarios like based on science. So that really got my attention, since I was kind of into physics and and um, astronomy. So, like you know, they might have a character called Nova or Quasar. You know, I think they would play with all of this. Um, one of my favorite ones was um th- that's not really that well known is like Adam Warlock. Yes, series yes. and um there was several really thought provoking topics about science in Adam Warlock because he was created in fact his first name was him he was just like created in a cocoon but like um one thing that was dope was one time he like flew through space right to the edge of space and he came back and they tied in the bit about him um about the universe expanding and then he got back to earth and he was too big he was bigger than the earth because he had went to the edge and expanded that shit oh, fucked come my on, head up. dude who else does and that star thief? laughed at him like you're too big to return to your world you're punished forever like i i tricked you come on and it was just it just was deep it made me think about all types of science shit and i just so i really i really dug that and i can tell you now you never got that really from dc um at least in the era where you know i was reading comic books um i don't think they touched on that stuff until much later like in in response to tons of that stuff um i think they they explored the alternate reality alternate earths a lot better sooner i think the the dc version is really good it may even predated it i'm not sure but i just know that i wasn't i wasn't even i didn't really care about dc (laughs) like that because like i said the that they really dominated all of the science stuff. Um, I mean, in some ways, that even includes the X-Men. I mean, their mutation, something as simple as that, just the fact that their powers came from mutations, not from the old school thing where like, oh, you're an alien or you got, you know, you fell into a vat of nuclear fuel or something, you know, like that was the old thoughts and stuff. But now it's like, yo, like literally human evolution which was hotly debated, you know, had became um, a whole character, um, homo superior.
1: This is like, just think about the stuff you're saying right now. This is the kind of stuff that leads to real science careers or maybe take someone from comics to writing about hard science fiction or maybe lead someone to want to become, I don't know, like an actual astronaut. I mean, this is not, you know, this, the, the stuff you're talking about, this is like sophisticated stuff to cram into a little child's head. And, you know, even to this day, I still have, you know, you, you always, what's the, uh, the old saying, you know, or the old trope of like having to throw out your comic books to make way for your adult life. Well, no, yeah. I, I still have a tiny stack of ancient, ancient, ancient comic books, uh, and I'll never let them go. You know, they're like, I, I wish I had more, frankly. Um, I think some people take it a little far. I'll, I'll be honest. Like sometimes I'll go into some of the modern day, you know, like um, Forbidden Planet or, you know, various other comic book shops. Like I always try to make it a point Like there's one there's a great one on Vine, uh, not on Vine, on uh, Sunset in L.A. that I'm whose name I'm forgetting. I think they're actually supposed to close down in the last couple of months. But I always try to make it a point to go to a good comic book shop wherever I go, whatever country I'm in, wherever city I'm in. And although I'm still a huge fan, I, I do – I don't know. I feel like unless you're, I don't know, an artist or someone trying to write comic books, I think if you get into your adult phase, maybe calm down a little bit. you know? Because I was a hardcore. I was one right. of the kids – who had the plastic, you know, wrappers and I had several boxes and I traded uh, comic books and I was deadly serious about my comic books, man. You know, but I think once you become an adult, like unless you're a dealer or some sort of professional in the space, maybe slow down.
0: <laughs> you know, like, Are you still a do you deal with anything? Are you? No, I currently don't watch any read any um comic books and stuff. Um um I used to be really into uh what's it called? The graphic novels and stuff, and a lot of ways some of those kind of like upset my taste for regular comic books. Yeah. Even though I know that now they got kind of darker, but like still my taste would keep evolving to like indie like like it's like watching indie film and getting into it. Like the graphic novels became, you know, outpaced it 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 was like drinking an IPA beer and then trying to go back to like Bud Bud Light. Well, you know,
1: yeah, the same thing happened to me. So I was like a hardcore comic book head, and I don't know what happened. I I feel like it might have been my uncle or some some older person, older kid, or my uncle who exposed me to heavy metal, which is basically, (laughs) you know, in my view, kind of the precursor to a lot of the graphic novels that you see today. It was basically for those unfamiliar with heavy metal magazine it was a monthly magazine and it was basically like a bunch of mini graphic graphic novels in one magazine every month and it was incredibly well done the cover was always amazing and the themes were very adult themes like really like i thought marvel was sophisticated and dark but no 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 yeah heavy metal was like the next level although it kind of sometimes veered too much into the sexual you know for my taste like it's it's you know some stories were clearly done by people who are like oh people who read heavy metal just you know i guess they it off or something <laughs> or like they just it's sex with comics or something but that's not what i was looking at it for like you know and it was kind of like um the static version of like ralph bakshi and kind of like the um that first animated um film uh, lord of the rings by ralph bakshi fritz the cat Did you ever see Fritz the Cat? Yes, of course. Yeah, so some of that stuff, like, it was kind of like the static, you know, paper version of a lot of that stuff. So once I really got into that, that kind of, you know, I still was really tied to some of the the hero mythology. But, you know, yeah, I I began to lean more toward graphic novels myself as I got older. Uh, But let's talk about mythology. I mean, let's talk about Stan Lee as you know, the ultimate storyteller. I mean, of course, he's not the author of every single story, he didn't create every single character, we know that, let's, you know, make that very clear. But, I mean, he created a lot of them, you know, and he was deeply involved with a lot of them. When we look at, I think we, I feel like we've touched on this before, when we look at kind of like the past, you know, before the invention of whatever cars and engines, there was one level of mythology, And that seems to have carried over even, you know, as we moved into the industrial age and what I feel like we're seeing is kind of like this new, I'm going to get crazy here, but I I feel like as we become superhuman, you know, implants, uh, you know, neural effective drugs, you know, like, you know, to allow, allow us to have like better cognition, faster reflexes, become stronger steroids is kind of like an early form of that you know uh, all of these things i mean i'm wondering like if like 100 years from now assuming we don't you know wipe ourselves out will we look back on these stories these mythologies and ha- and some people wonder if some of them were actually real because our reality 100 years in the future will be so fantastic people will have so many things or abilities that to people like us today would seem like superpowers. But in a hundred years from now, they won't be superpowers. They'll be normal. Do do you, do you get where I'm going? Like, do you you see what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, do you see that? Do Do you think that's a possibility that that might happen?
0: Right. I do think that there's something to the, um, one day it'll be like maybe some superpowers going on, but I think it's probably more like how, like, like Homer wrote Odysseus, like in the future, People will, um, you know, in, in, I think people will have morphed these stories and wonder if, like, Wolverine was, like, a real hero of old, the same way we think of, like, um, like, like Odysseus or, or Hercules, or who is a, who happens to be a, one of my favorite Marvel characters. And then, um, um, I, I really like Marvel's take on Hercules as well as, um, um, other, People, including like Thor or whatever, like Wolverine, may one day, like in 2400, people would be like, Wolverine existed. Yeah. He did many... D-
1: yeah, there, there he, had, <laughs> he had an exoskeleton. They poured metal over his regular bones and gave him an exoskeleton, gave him retractable claws. Uh, there was something about his DNA makeup that allowed him to regenerate even though we regenerate normally nowadays here in a uh, 20 you know 2400 or whatever you know we're living in back then it wasn't normal so people found it odd for you to be able to regenerate wounds so quickly you know uh yeah i mean like a lot of the stuff right. that they come up with is not like a particularly like you know black panther that's near future sci-fi that's not really far out anymore even though you know back when it you know was first created it was pretty far out, not so much anymore. I mean, we can kind of just go down the list of Marvel characters that, you know, maybe 30, 40 years ago might've seemed unrealistic. And as each, you know, 10, 20 year span passes, it's a little more realistic, a little more, and even like, just take somebody like Doctor Strange, where what I'm noticing with the Marvel Universe is they're kind of marrying magic and science. And what they're kind of like what, what seems to be the underlying message is magic is just another form of science. Like magic is like this form of science that is kind of next level that you haven't gotten to yet. OK, so moving on from kind of like the mythology stuff, it's just kind of like I feel like so many fans of the Marvel films have probably seen the Stanley cameo appearances, but they didn't really know who they were looking at. They were like maybe kind of like. Why do they keep showing this old guy? Yeah. right. <laughs> right. cause he keeps popping up in almost I'm pretty sure almost every film, he makes some sort of appearance as kind of like a mailman, a security guard, uh, a house husband, all kind of characters. Like in the um, I think in Infinity War, he's like a bus driver, uh like a school bus driver. I mean, are were these like valuable to you? Like as you've seen the Marvel Cinematic Universe unfold, did these have any resonance for you?
0: Um, me no. I I think I was like, I don't know. I thought it was cute. I mean, I think he deserves massive credit. It's good for him to be in them, but they didn't they didn't do much for me after that. I'm not like I might not be as sentiment that sentimental about that sort of thing.
1: Hater. Okay, so as yeah. a <laughs> as a hater, no. Um. Well, he passed away uh I think just about a year after his wife who I understand uh passed away at the around the same age 95 uh right. in 2017. I haven't read too much into this other story, but there were allegations of elder abuse, uh like whoever was like right. taking care of him was kind of like abusing him.
0: And a fan got close to him, and um, well, do you know, do you somebody, know the story? Do you,
1: if you do, please. Like. I
0: don't know the full story. I just know that it was a, a, it was like a fan he met that like was in the like comic collecting collectibles thing, and he kind of got close to him and was helping him with stuff. And then, unfortunately, you know, uh, when he probably realized, you know, Stan had a lot of money and was elderly, you know, he started, you know, maybe pushing him around a little bit. Wow. Hoping to extract that money and isolate him from his friends, um, which is, you know, easy to do because sometimes old people get, you know, that elderly can get confused and moving kind of slow and also frail. That's the that's the extent of what I know. Um, but he uh, got a restraining order against him. People were able
1: to get him. So, some of the people who have already reached out, like on social media, you know, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, a.k.a. Captain America, Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Lawrence, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I mean, obviously, anyone who was even tangentially connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe had really good feelings for him. He passed away in Los Angeles, which is kind of appropriate for this podcast because he was born in Manhattan. I know you like to claim a lot of uh, celebrities and people of note as hailing from Brooklyn this is the rare case, my friend, where you must pay homage to one of my own, a Manhattan native. That's right.
0: No, I give you, I give you credit that this one time, this one time, <laughs> seems to be someone of import. This one time,
1: and, and he passed away in L.A., which is where you're at right now, uh, faking it up with the rest of those posers, and uh, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> so, uh, Stanley, age ninety five, the master. Uh, one-time editor, one-time publisher, I think eternal presence throughout the Marvel universe, both in comics, in animation, in the cinematic universe. He will, I don't think ever be forgotten. I think he will probably become his own mythic character. And I would say we're, we're pretty much all the better for him having existed. And I'm glad a lot of people are honoring him today, and that's what inspired us to kind of like uh, come away from a long hiatus and pop back into the potosphere, if that's a thing, the potosphere, and pay homage to Stan Lee, the man behind Marvel. Indeed. And with that, we will bring a close to this episode of the Mars Magazine podcast. My name is Adario Strange. Thanks again to John Threat. Uh, do you want to give anybody any information, anything you're working on, uh, contact stuff,
0: anything like that? Um, at the moment, no, I just want to say that Stanley was awesome. And thank you so much for influencing all creatives' lives around the world with your great stories. Enough said. <laughs>
1: Perfect. This has been the Mars Magazine Podcast. My name is Dario Strange, and we will see you in the future.